he had like a little wallet card, he called it. And it was basically a little card he would keep in his wallet and he'd have 10, 11, 12 names of people on it. And those were people that he was financially and relationally investing in. And it was really very much behind the scenes, but he was doing everything he could to make them successful. And Bob had this saying, um, and you've probably heard this, but he would say, my fruit grows on other people's trees. <sighs> and I, I mean, I've adopted it as my own, but I think that, could, that should be the mantra of every hero maker. My fruit grows on other people's trees. And, um, and I got to be one of those people he invested in, and I'm super grateful for it. Well, I know I say this every time, but we've got a great episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast for you. I spend time today talking with my friend Dave Ferguson. Now, Dave started Community Christian Church with his brother John many years ago and have seen just some incredible impact, including now leading Exponential and the Exponential Movement through the Exponential Conferences, has written many books. But we talk about his latest book, Hero Maker. And if there's one shift that I think we need to make Many of us who are high capacity, driven leaders who are pushing hard, we want to accomplish things. We want our lives to matter, but that can wreck us in the meantime. Our ambition can get in the way. And Dave talks about flipping the paradigm from us being a hero to becoming a hero maker. This is an exciting conversation for me as we talk a little bit about legacy, some of the people who've inspired him, even an old guy who put his finger in his chest and told him that he needed to dream bigger. So love this conversation with Dave. He's, he's a guy that shaped me and actually had the opportunity for him to write uh, forward for my second book, Guardrails. And it's just a guy who's kind of mentored me at a distance um, through his writing and speaking and, and occasionally getting to connect with Dave. But I love this conversation, especially if you are a church leader, listen up, maybe listen to this one twice. This is so important for us to make these shifts. But if you're not a church leader, there's so many good principles buried in here. So I don't want to waste too much time, but I do want to remind you, please leave us a rating or review that helps our influence, that helps us get out there a little bit more. If there's a church leader that you know, please hit share, go share this link, copy it, share it on social media. This is a good one. I don't want to waste any more time. So here's my conversation with Dave Ferguson. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. I've got Dave Ferguson on the podcast today. Dave, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Alan. I uh, I got to tell the story that I remember reading the book Exponential on a plane and hearing about these two crazy brothers in Chicago area that I needed to meet, I needed to connect with, and would find myself at exponential conferences and uh, just so grateful for your, your leadership and, and John's leadership, why don't you just share kind of the the cool story that's unfolded with Community Christian Church and Exponential and some of the other things that you've put your leadership toward? Uh, sure. Like like maybe some of your listeners, uh, uh, my, we planted a church. And in this case, it was myself, my brother, John, and a few friends from college. We were all in our early, to, I guess I was almost the oldest one. I was like 25. All right. <laughs> Which is experienced, seasoned, KG veteran. And seriously, Al, I, I look back at that. I, I mean, and I think if you're 25, you feel a call, you should totally do it. But part of me also looks back and I go like, I can't believe people came back. <laughs> but they did. And so we planned this church and um, our mission at Community Christian has been to help people find their way back to God. And we've stuck to that. 
And um, uh, along the way, we had the opportunity. It was just by God's grace. Um, we got we took the church early on and kind of the whole multi-site experiment. We we met a couple of real estate developers who wanted to who weren't even believers who were like, well, why can't we just do this church two different places? Because they had 26 properties. Why couldn't a church have two? And uh, so we went started going to multiple locations. And not long after that, we started planting churches. And that's, we planted a first church kind of out near where you are. And then another one in Southern California the next year, then in, in, uh, in New York and then Boston. And pretty soon we had like this little group of churches that were all friends and we named it new thing. And what happened after that is it just kind of kept growing and we started multiplying. Now we have about 150 networks around the world and over 2,500 churches that are part of it. And in the process, a buddy of mine, Todd Wilson, uh, we kind of took over a, a fledgling small little planning conference that had about 200 people every year for the last 30 years. And God's favor was on it and it became exponential. And so I'm looking over my shoulder. And so I've been at the same church ever since we started and getting to be the visionary for a new thing and, and also getting to do a lot of fun things with the exponential conference. I love it. I've been uh, been blessed to be there and be prayed over and just the incredible opportunities. I know Todd as well. And just to see how God has paired you guys together. Team's such a big part of of your heart as well. And um, again, when I was reading Exponential, I said, man, this something clicked in my mind. These guys are talking about what I know is possible and true and sort of the the imagination that's been reawakened. Um, and even bridging the the gap between multi-site and church planting. I really appreciate that. For a while, it seemed like there was sort of some infighting between um, and sort of rock throwing between those those different structures or at least models or ideas of church. So just grateful, man, for all that you guys doing and keep leading the charge uh, on that. So today we, we want to talk about Hero Maker. Um, you've written a ton, but I just I feel like this is very, very significant, especially to our listeners. Many people feel like they're just pushing hard and uh, maybe not seeing many results. And so we hope to affirm and encourage here today, but we talk a lot about legacy of what do we want to leave behind um, when we're gone? What do we feel called to effort toward that, that actually matters in eternity and, uh, and even many years and, and generations from now? So can you just give us kind of a short synthesis of the Hero Maker book and then what actually caused you to go through that labor of love of writing another book? Sure. In, in many ways, you, you, talk, you talked about Exponential, which was, um, I think, maybe the second book I wrote. Exponential was was really written to kind of show how a church could become a multiplying church. And in the in, in some ways, Hero Maker is kind of a, a nice parallel to that because Hero Maker is a book on really for leaders and how you become a multiplying leader. And what really, I think for me, kind of gave me, kind of set my heart on fire for, for, for writing this through Exponential, we had the, the opportunity to do some homework on what we call level four and level five churches. Maybe should I back up and kind of explain that paradigm? Yeah, go for it. So at, at, through Exponential, we talk about five different levels of church. Level one would be a declining church, a uh, church that's seen less people, you know, with you this year than last year. Level two, so we call a plateaued church. Uh, it gained a few people, lost a few people, but it nets out about the same year plateauing. And about 80%, actually 80% of all churches across the United States would fall into those level one or level two. Then you've got level three, which are growing churches. 
and about uh, 16% of all churches that would be growing churches. Starting to see a trend up and to the right. More people on mission this year than last year. But then you have these exceptional categories of level four and level five. Level four would be a reproducing church. Any church that's ever planted a brand new site or a brand new church within the last several years. And about 4%, um, what, when we did the research was what came back, we're reproducing. And then just a handful would actually fall into this category of level five multiplying, which are those churches that are constantly planting um, various expressions of church over and over and over and over and over again. Well, we began to look at the leaders of these level four and level five churches. What was, and we begin to notice there were some things that were distinctly different. And when I say leader, I don't mean just the senior level leader, like the, the senior pastor or the senior leadership team. I mean, the small group leader, the missional community leader, throughout the whole leadership of these churches, there was something distinctly different about them. And um, because of our influence at, at Exponential, we were able to pull together thought leaders on two different occasions down in Atlanta and just kind of brainstorm this and talk about both uh, the, the kind of level four, level five churches we saw across uh, the United States, but that we also saw in other parts of the world. And um, we began to make a list of all the characteristics, uh, the different traits, the, the practices of these leaders. And I remember we kind of, the second round of this, we probably had, I don't know, a list of 25. And I think it was a guy, Dave Rhodes, maybe you know Dave, but Dave made yep. the comment, he said, as he looked at this list, he said, you know, what's different about these kind of leaders? And they talk about, again, these level four reproducing, level five multiplying church leaders. He said, what's different is that all through this list, it's like they're not really trying to be the hero. It's like they're trying to make heroes of other people. And that's when the kind of this hero maker tag stuck. And, um, and so one of the things we do at Exponential is we really try to lead the conversation in the church planning world. And we knew that um, we really wanted that to be the theme that, okay, let's talk about what are the kind of leaders it takes? What does it take for us as leaders to lead these reproducing multiplying churches? And so really Dave coined the phrase hero maker and basically took that long list of 25 and we pared it down to what we call the five essential, the five essential practices of leaders that multiply leaders. So, I mean, that sounded a lot to me like Jim Collins good to great kind of stuff. You're saying what's what's behind these people? What are the things that they, just kind of the essence, like they inherently just do or know? What surprised you about that, Dave, as you studied those different churches? That's a great question. What surprised me? Um, I don't know if it was so much a surprise, but one of, the, one of the things that became quickly became apparent was that for probably the last 40 years, um, as much and, and again, I don't say it disparagingly, but I think the church growth model has been helpful, but it's also set an existing paradigm that has all of us kind of stuck in level three thinking. And so I guess the, the individual practices, they didn't, they were interesting and you could, you go like, oh, that's right on. I don't say they really surprised me as much as it, as it does kind of the whole paradigm shift in thinking and how hard that is for, 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 for a lot of us. Wow, that's good. And I think that we're, like you say, in many ways stuck inside of older thinking, yet with a newer imagination, looking for innovation. I mean, the fact that we're having those conversations, I've sat with Todd and talked about some of those realities. I've talked with you know, several mutual friends of ours. I know you get calls from 
church planners now all the time or questions uh, in that. So fascinating. Love to dig in a little bit more. Uh, let me make a connection here. What what I hear in that hero maker idea, uh, similar to the story brand framework, um, the idea of not being the hero in the story, but being the guide. Can you draw some connections and parallels? I think in the business world, they're figuring that out. We're figuring that out kind of in the ministry and church world. Draw some connections there in terms of how we can be the guide and not the hero in the story of a church, an organization, a nonprofit, or a ministry. Uh, I'll, I'll give you two kind of favorite illustrations. One, one is a guy who's a mentor of mine, and actually you, you, you we're talking about, you say Todd, that's Todd Wilson, who's our CEO at Exponential. Uh, both of us were mentored by a guy named Bob Buford. And uh, you're probably familiar with his book, Halftime. Yeah, absolutely. Bob's a guy who made a lot of money in the cable TV business. And um, he called his halftime experience when his only son kind of suddenly and tragically died. He was in his early 20s. And um, he said that was when he went from trying to be successful to being significant. I think you could also say that's also when he went from trying to be the hero to being a hero maker. Because if you looked at Bob's life, that was when the, he began to change his own practices. And one of the very simple things he did was, um, and, and everybody, everybody listening, if you want to make this shift, here's a simple practice you can take away and do. He had like a little wallet card, he called it. And it was basically a little card he would keep in his wallet. And he'd have 10, 11, 12 names of people on it. And those were people that he was financially and relationally investing in. And it was really very much behind the scenes, but he was doing everything he could to make them successful. And Bob had this saying, um, and you've probably heard this, but he would say, my fruit grows on other people's trees. <sighs> and I, I mean, I've adopted it as my own, but I think that, could, that should be the mantra of every hero maker. My fruit grows on other people's trees. And, um, and I got to be one of those people he invested in, and I'm super grateful for it. Legacy. I mean, just this idea of what's going to be left when we're gone. What is eternal? What what really matters? And um, Bob was instrumental behind Leadership Network and just some incredible things. I'm so glad he had that shift. I mean, think about the waves and the impact from Bob's life. Pretty incredible. Uh, when did you make this shift, Dave? Take us to that. Is that kind of turning from sort of young guy, I'm, I'm going to do this thing into becoming a hero maker and other people? Two things, two things come to mind. One, um, I remember sitting in a workshop and I think Neil Cole, you know, Neil, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So Neil Cole's doing this workshop. This, this had to be early on. Um, and he says, he asked the question, he said, okay, what's, what's, what's the dream for your church? What's the dream that you have? And so I'm sitting out there taking notes. I'm going, okay, my dream, let's listen to the way I even say this. My dream was for my church to be a thousand people. I want my church to be a thousand people. Okay. <laughs> so bad. And um, then Neil says this. Okay. He says, now take your current dream. He's telling everybody a room full of people, take your current dream and multiply it by a million. So I'm doing the math. Okay. You got a thousand times a million. That's a billion. And then he says, now I want you to figure out how can you accomplish that dream? And for me, Okay, somehow, I mean, like I thought I had the leadership chops that I could grow a church to a thousand people, that maybe I could get a thousand people to come and sit and listen to me teach. 
that I that I could create the organizational structure that I could I could okay you, you hear it here my language even betrays me, that I could grow a church to a thousand people but now he said a billion there's no church that's going to be a billion people that's not going to happen no and it's certainly not going to listen to me and and that big dream kind of all of a sudden forced me into what I call multiplication thinking which is the first practice of a hero maker because all of a sudden I was going like hold it if I to reach a billion, I would have to invest in lots of leaders. I would have to start lots of churches. I would have to work outside my tribe, my little denomination, to, to collaborate with lots of people if we were trying to reach a billion. Which, by the way, if you take Acts 1a, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, you know, billions a lot closer to Jesus' big dream than my thousand. And for me, and there was different times, but that was a that was a moment for me because all of a sudden it kind of pushed me uh, to a place where okay, hold it, I here's here's how I need to be thinking. It pushed me out of the ruts of kind of level three thinking more towards level five kind of thinking. It's convicting and uh, exciting at the same time. Uh, so when somebody comes to you and, and maybe is stuck in some inside some of that thinking. Um, I believe, and, and I've heard many times, we only change when we have to, or we really, really, really want to. And so what do you tell that young church planter who has the dream of a thousand? Is there a way to sort of shock them into some of that movement thinking? Do they have to hit a crisis? How do you make that shift for somebody listening that's got kind of an addition paradigm to move into that multiplicative idea, dreaming, imagination? One of the things I, I do, I will kind of, I will, I'll get in their grill a little bit and, and I'll, I will, in, in a phrase, I'll say, you know what, if you don't have a dream that makes you dependent on God, then you need to get a bigger dream. That's good. And, and part of the reason I say it, because what I've found, at least maybe it's just part of my story, it's usually a big dream, a grander cause, or, you know, the, this compelling vision that pushes you into multiplication thinking. Let, let me give you another example. I remember I was down in, um, this goes back several years ago, I was in Americus, Georgia, which is the headquarters of Habitat for Humanity. And I, and I was there, um, I got to meet Millard Fuller, who was the founder of Habitat for Humanity. And I'm sitting across the desk from him. And I remember, and this was his, kind of his motto, but I remember him saying this, looking me in the eye and saying, don't you think everybody deserves a simple, decent place to live? Don't you think everybody deserves a simple, decent place to live? And you can, you know, as he says it, you're, of course, nodding your head, right? That big dream of Millard Fuller's, everybody deserves a simple, decent place to live, right? Pushed him into multiplication thinking because, because that's the dream. He knew he couldn't just be a carpenter and accomplish that dream. He also knew just, I mean, had the business savvy to go, I can't just start a construction company to accomplish that dream. I can't even be a real estate developer and to accomplish that dream. For me to accomplish that dream where everybody gets a simple, decent place to live, I have to find a way to mobilize every person who's a follower of Jesus and even people who are just friendly to the cause of Jesus to swing a hammer to build build homes for homeless people. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and what's fascinating is my understanding is that right now the number one, the number one home builder in the world is Habitat for Humanity. Wow. Which it was kind of funny too. I remember him, I remember saying this. He said, uh, he said, and I think we build better homes than anybody else. I, I was like, why is that? He said, because we use more nails than anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I guess my point was the same way. It's kind of what Neil Cole did for me. That, that that bigger dream of a billion pushed me into multiplication thinking. I think Millard Fuller said, okay, no, everybody deserves a simple, decent place to live. And it pushed it. And what it did, and this is what I tell leaders too, this is this is a way to leverage your leadership gift to to its to its greatest potential. For you just to keep it on your to yourself and go like, okay, how can God use me? is far less than asking the question, how can God use me to actually multiply my leadership through others? And so um, I kind of push on them, hey, you need to get a bigger dream. That usually forces them that direction. I also kind of sell the, hey, this is a way for you to make the biggest impact with your life. Sometimes that that mobilize, uh, motivates them. Um, I, I, I try every angle I can. That's good. We um, we talk about that a lot, the idea of, of health before impact. And so sometimes when we have that kind of impact envy and we're looking at other people, it's, it's interesting. It's not even a bigger dream. We want to be a different person in that moment. That leads you to a different place versus sort of this God-centered, God-designed dream that sort of settles on us and we have to deal with. It. We just can't shake it in that sense. Uh, I remember Craig Groeschel in a podcast saying um, that, that somebody older had said to him who was, who was very old and close to death, that's a problem with you young pastors. You have such small dreams. And um, just hearing that more and more. So Dave, grateful. Keep getting up in the grill of young leaders and just challenging uh, us to a different paradigm. Let me me jump in on that one too. I I heard Craig tell the same story on his podcast. And the guy guy that that was poking him in the chest was a guy named Lyle Schaller. Now, what's funny about that to me is Lyle Schaller was a guy who was a – a church, old church consultant. He wrote almost a hundred books or edited, wrote a hundred, almost hundred, but he lived here in Naperville where I live. He came to, he came to our very first service when we first started the church. And, and I thought it was unique to me because he would come and find me and just give me grief. He'd poke me in the chest and say, you know what your problem is, Ferguson? I got a bigger dream for your church than you do. Wow. <laughs> Wow. Which, so he's going around poking all yeah. of you guys all over the country. That was yeah. his job. I'm so glad he did. And so then when I heard Craig, and I, I kind of, I know Craig a little bit. And so when I heard Craig's podcast and he's told that story, I had a text. So I'm going, dude, you're talking about Lyle Schaller. He did the same thing to me. And he's like, oh wow. yeah. So By the way, his, his book, The Interventionist, so yeah. helpful coaching, consulting across denominations. It's Somebody told me it's actually kind of his best work put together in that. It's a gem. Oh, the, the dude, he was an old dude, but he was a brilliant futurist. And I mean, this is just, this is kind of an aside, but uh, I mean, this is just how kind God has been to me. Think about that. I mean, I'm a young church planner and I got Lyle Schaller, who at one point in time by the Los Angeles time was voted the most influential Protestant religious leader in America. He comes to, he comes to our service. And then basically anytime I needed anything about anything, I could just call him. I could find him in the library. He'd have me over at his house and Agnes would make brownies. And he'd go, like everything we learned about multi-site, I would just go over to his house. I'm asking, okay, what do I do about this? What about this? And he was just like, okay, do this, do this, do this. Still to this day, there are like seven principles he gave me for running a new thing that I still use. Wow. That explains a lot, actually. Like, Where do we find the Lyle Schaller of, of today? Uh, man, that's that's incredible. Thanks for connecting the dots on that, Dave. Um, so, so here's a question. If we don't make this shift from hero to hero maker, what are the consequences? Well, I mean, two, two consequences immediately. One 
is your world gets much, much, much smaller. And, and, and the stewardship of your leadership gift is dramatically, I would say exponentially even, uh, decreased. So that's one thing that happens. So, so personally, there's a lot at stake for you if you decide that you're going to be the hero instead of being a hero maker. But secondly, um, I think the kingdom doesn't get advanced. We never get to movement. And if we never get to movement, the mission of Jesus doesn't get accomplished. Um, so, I mean, that, that, may, that may sound dramatic, but I believe it with my heart. That's big. Yeah, we got to pay attention to that. Um, yeah. Dave, I want to get a little bit personal um, with you. We're talking about big dreams. So uh, let's dig into one. What, what is a big dream that you have right now? Well, I mean, there's a few things that, I mean, that we're working on. I mean, we're getting ready to um, have our, we, have, we do a every other year global huddle with our new thing leaders. We're going to be in London in June. And one of the things that we're taking a look at is, okay, how do we, take new thing to a place where we're 10,000 churches. And part of it is we're not really afraid of setting kind of big goals, but we don't want to have just 10,000 churches, but we want 10,000 churches that are actually committed to what we call our four values of relationship, reproducing resources and residency, that they're actually living out those values of reproducing. How do we get 10,000 churches? It's kind of like, if you had ten thousand, if you had 10, a ten thousand person church, that was everybody's a sold out disciple. Um, I don't have anyway, so that's that's a, that's a big dream, and I think if we if we can nail that, we could have a really, I think, a big impact on the kingdom. Um, we may not be the biggest movement, that's fine, but I think we could have a big big impact, and our lives will count it, and God will be glorified um, through exponential. Um, did you get a chance to be at exponential this last year? I didn't, man. I, I wish I would have come down in the sun. I think I was somewhere maybe in the snow when it was going on. Well, we, we announced, I don't, for, your, for your audience there, we have at Exponential what we call our 4 to 10 mission. That when we did the homework, only about 4%, like we started the broadcast with, only 4% of all churches are reproducing and multiplying. We want to see that go to 10% and beyond. And if, we could even, if you get to 17%, that would be the tipping. That, I mean, that would be huge. But we think like 10 or 11 could even be a tipping point. Well, we did some homework on that through LifeWay Research this last year, and we got some great news back that, because the last time we did this was like 2015, and what we found is that the needles actually moved from 4% now to 5 to 6 to 7%, which means there's about somewhere between 10 and 11,000 more churches that are, actually, uh, that are actually planting and reproducing than were before. So one big dream is we would love to get that beyond 10%. If we can get that beyond 10%, we really do think that can begin to change the spiritual landscape of what's happening in the United States. Love it. Keep dreaming, Dave. Keep, uh, keep doing, keep pushing into it, rooting for you guys and, and for New Thing. And actually, as I record this podcast, we're here in what we call 719 Commons. It's a common space for a common mission and actually a church planting hub in the middle of Colorado Springs. I love what's happening in terms of collaboration. Before um, we hit record on this, we we're talking about some collaborations that are happening now. And I'm just kind of hearing that from everywhere. Everybody that I know seems to be working with other people that I know. So super encouraged by that as well, beyond the numbers, how much more can we do together than, than separately? Um, so it doesn't have to be related to anything we've talked about, anything involving the church. Uh, what are you curious about right now, Dave? Maybe it's things that you're just learning about or podcasts you're listening to or things you're doing in your spare time. 
books you're reading? What are you curious about right now? Um, I'll throw a couple things out there. I think what you just commented on, I think is a really, really, really important thing for us to lean into, uh, that we're better together and collaboration. Our, actually, our theme at Exponential for, for 2020 is, gonna, is, is called Better Together. And it's going to be all about what we're calling the great collaboration that in some ways what's been missing from the Jesus mission, we've had the great commission, right, to go, the great commandment to love, but we forgot about the great collaboration of John 17 that we're doing it together. And um, I, I think it's probably, I think it's true theologically that we need to be doing this together, but I also think practically speaking, um, there's a guy named Sam Stevens who, uh, if you know Sam, he's the head honcho of the India Gospel League. Since the 60s, they've planted over 90,000 churches. And so when he talks, I listen real close. And he's t- he tells me that he is convinced that networks, exactly what you were talking about, networks are the backbone to movement. And, w- and I, so I get real brass tacks. So what are your networks? What, are, what do you mean networks? What do they do? And basically he brings together small groups of pastors all across India. They meet once a month. And basically they, they, they kind of do three things. They they get together for like half a day, once a month for added value training. Then they eat together and then they review their goals and, and they are rapidly multiplying. And so all across new thing. And um, that's exactly what we're kind of doing. We're, we're learning from our, from our friends in India. And um, that's what we're doing with new thing is we're bringing church leaders together. We're added value training. We encourage them to eat together because that's how you develop friendships and community and then review what are your goals for multiplication uh, and going forward together. Um, I think I was just with Daniel Yang, if you know Daniel from the Send Institute this morning, and I and a lot of us are looking at that going, okay, maybe that's how you bring level three, level four, okay, growing and reproducing churches together, you cluster them together to get level five multiplication results. And that's that's what we're betting on. And I am really curious about a lot of that and leaning into that and pushing, pushing that. Wow, me too. A lot of fireworks going off in my mind. I was just in Ecuador and got to work with a network of churches there last month and uh, had the opportunity to lead a pastor's conference that really kind of turned into tears together and a coaching day and guys challenging one another, turned to Spanish and they stopped translating for us. I have you know, no idea where it went from there, but it was good stuff that it was what you're talking about, best practices, meal together, some kind of training, uh, and then some accountability to some of their goals. Uh, and also mastermind groups. I mean, this stuff's been happening in I mean, business leaders have known this for a long, long time. Sometimes we're a little slow to catch up uh, amongst the church. I love how simple yet potent this stuff is. So, uh, man, I love it, Dave. Uh, we need to connect for, for some hours sometime over a meal and, and catch back up. Last question we always want to ask is we want to get a little personal for you. We're talking about health. We want to make sure that we can go the distance. We have, you know, big dreams, high capacity leaders listening right now on their commute or as they're working out. Um, but we want to be able to go the distance and we want to make sure that in the process, we don't gain the whole world leadership wise, um, but lose our souls, lose our families, lose our relationships in the meantime. And so how do you personally stay healthy in your life, Dave? This could be running. I mean, this could be how you're working out or eating or time or sleeping. Uh, how do you personally stay healthy with all the stuff you've got on your plate? Something I've done for, for several years now, and I don't, I don't think it's foolproof. I'm not that naive, um, but I do think the everyday discipline of doing what I'm about to describe helps you become aware if you're drifting, because I think a lot of us, we drift. We could drift relationally. We could drift physically. We could drift spiritually without being aware of it, kind of one, you know, one degree at a time. 
So one of the things I do, um, and I did it this morning, is I journal, but at the top of my journal, I, I write out four letters. I write R, P, M, and S. And this is a little bit technical, maybe for some of the folks listening. Others, you're going to love it, and you'll start doing it. And so I write those four letters at the top of my journal, and then I act, and I give myself a number between one and ten. I just kind of ask, and then the R stands for relationally. How are you doing relationally? That has to do with me and my wife, me and my kids, me and my small group. How are you doing relationally? And if the number is higher than it was yesterday, I actually put an arrow up, like it's trending upward. Does that make sense? Yep. And then the P stands for physically. How are you doing physically? You're taking care of your body. And then I'll give myself a number. Um, so like I worked out and ran three miles yesterday. And, uh, and so this morning, I, I, my number went up a little bit and I had an arrow that went up like I'm trending up. Um, ment- the, the M stands for mentally, which is more about like uh, mental growth, knowledge, wisdom. Um, I pretty much just worked and worked out yesterday. So actually my, my number went down on the M co- in the N category because I didn't really read anything or do anything extra that way. And then last time was spiritual S stands for spiritually. How are you doing spiritually? Um, a lot of that has to do with regarding spiritual disciplines, giving into temptation, um, just feeling like I'm walking by the spirit. And that one also went up. So I kind of, well, actually every day, and, it, and, this, and it's, it took me longer to explain it to you than it actually does in real life. It takes me about two or three minutes to do. Um, and then I actually will add them all up and divide it and give myself a, a quotient for the whole day. And is that going up, down, or staying the same? But what it does is just a quick like ch- daily check-in of how am I doing relationally, physically, mentally, and spiritually? <laughs> and then how am I doing overall and which way am I trending? And um, it has been a really... I don't, I don't want to think, I don't think it's foolproof. So I, think I, I think all of us can totally screw up our lives, <laughs> but I do think it helps me at least have an honest conversation, prayerful, hopefully conversation about how am I doing in each of those areas. I love it. Yeah. Status check. We yeah. talk simple and reproducible, such an easy, uh, may, maybe not easy to do. Uh, you got to remember to do it, but such a simple practice. That's what we're looking for. Ridiculously practical ways to continue to stay healthy and uh, Dave, just so grateful for you and Community Christian for Exponential, the ways you've written and spoken into my life and the life of many other leaders. How can people um, get a hold of uh, what Exponential is learning and putting out? And then how do we connect online with New Thing Network? Sure. Um, I'll give you a few different things. If you, I'll give you three of them if it's okay. Uh, of course, Exponential, exponential.org. And you can learn all about all our free resources, our conferences. Uh, new Thing is newthing.org. And if you're looking for to connect with a network, or if you want to be a, a leader or church plant that's multiplying, we'd love to talk to you. And all of my stuff is at daveferguson.org, daveferguson.org. You can get books and et cetera. And uh, shoot me an email on there too, if you want. I'd love to help however I can. Awesome. Well, Dave, thanks for your time today. Keep up the good work and keep dreaming big. Thanks, Alan. Man, such a good one today. I love learning from Dave. And I love that RPM tool that he shared. Just really practical, taking a status check relationally. How are you doing? Physically, how are you doing? Mentally, how are you doing? And spiritually, how are you doing? Is the needle going up? Is the needle going down? 
and to get as specific as you want. Is is that moving in the right direction? He talked even about just sitting with that for a minute or two each morning and just kind of averaging out those things. I love those practical tools from Dave. As always, we want to leave you with a couple of questions. If you're listening as a team to be able to discuss this, if you're listening alone, take some time, write this in your journal, make a note in your phone. What's one area of your life that you need to dream bigger? What's one area of your life your dreams are just simply too small? And secondly, who can you invest your time, your energy, and your resources in? Who are you investing your best time and energy and resources in? We want to give you this really clarion call today to move from the idea of just somebody who wants to be a hero in the story to be a guide or a hero maker in the story, bringing other people to the spot of greatness, that they are designed for impact. Who are you unleashing their creativity and who are you calling to greatness? Another amazing conversation, and we will catch you next time. So long.